This is Dr. Rob Harder with the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, making your world better. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? What are the biggest challenges? What are the biggest obstacles? How should nonprofits fundraise in an economy that is constantly changing? All of these reasons combined led me to start this show. And it's my hope that through this series, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear from effective leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy the show as together we hear how they are making their world better. This podcast is sponsored by DonorBox. DonorBox, helping you help others with the best donation forms in the business. Hello, listeners. I know that you love listening to podcasts, and I'm sure you love it when your nonprofit grows. But do you always know how to get the funding you need to grow your nonprofit? Well, be sure to check out our friends over at the podcast, Grant Writing and Funding, to find out how to grow funding for your nonprofit. Again, just look up Grant Writing and Funding Podcast on your podcast player to increase your grant writing skills and learn how to run a successful grant writing business. You can also check out a free grant writing class at grantwritingandfunding.com slash Rob. Hello, podcast listeners. Well, thanks so much for tuning in today. One of the hot topics on nonprofit leaders' minds today is recruitment and retention. Now, there's a lot that goes into pursuing that, right? My guest today argues that if you want to recruit and retain new staff, particularly if you're seeking to create a more diverse staff, it takes more than just recruiting diverse candidates. You have to actually do the hard work of creating a leadership culture where new staff not only initially join with enthusiasm, but a year, two years, three years later, they're still with your organization and still feeling energized to be there. So how do you create that kind of culture? Well, that's the topic of our conversation. My guest today, again, is Jakarta Imani, and he is the CEO of the Management Center, or TMC. Now, their mission is to help social justice leaders build and run equitable, sustainable, and results-driven organizations. Now, this has always been important, right? But especially now, since COVID and since the George Floyd protests, I think this is a goal that all of us across the spectrum of all nonprofits are seeking to implement into our organizations. Enjoy today's show. Well, Jakarta, I am so glad you're on the show today. Thanks for taking time out to join us today. Thank you so much for having me, Rob. I'm excited to talk with you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's start with sharing a bit of your background. And how did you get connected with the Management Center, which you lead now as CEO? So I came to the Management Center in 2017, really after spending about 20 plus years working in social justice movements and organizations, helping to build, scale, run organizations in California, mostly, but some national organizations. And really, it was wanting to share what I had learned about leading organizations in a way that's value-centered, that put our put our values at the center of how we manage, how we lead, and how we drive towards impact, that we don't throw away impact. We don't throw away impact or people, but we hold both of them. And the Management Center was a great place to do that from. We had an approach that I felt deeply values aligned with. Our founder, Jerry Hauser, at the time, the managing director, Cindy Kang, were folks who I just really wanted to learn from. And and the client list was super amazing. And I was like, okay, if you if you're working with these kind of folks and the folks want to come and pay you to do what you do, well, I wanna bring, you know, my skills and partner with you all to help grow this work. 
And so I came in 2017 as both a coach and a trainer, and then stepped up to help lead the progressive sector coach team. And then in 2021, stepped into the role CEO. Excellent. That's great. So as you mentioned, you're the CEO of this nonprofit management consulting firm called the Management Center. And I've learned a little bit more about the Management Center. And your mission there is to help social justice leaders build and run equitable, sustainable, and results-driven organizations. Now, it's a, a very noble goal and something really has been important for a long time. However, it does seem like that after COVID, right, and, and certainly after the George Floyd protest, it feels like across the board for every nonprofit organization really wanting to lean into this and helping people you know, run equitable, sustainable, again, results-driven organizations. But let's talk about that a little bit more. How have you gone about developing this particular focus? What are your primary methods of accomplishing this mission? Mm. Yeah. So, so like many of your listeners, I started off working in an organization in a sort of relatively entry-level role. For me, it was a service learning organization, helping young people pick service learning projects in San Francisco where they were passionate about them and then getting uh, school administrators and teachers aligned to let us go run around San Francisco and try stuff out so people can learn by doing. And I was relatively good at it. And my manager said, great, next year, you're going to lead a team of four people who you're going to go into different schools and do this with. And so what made me good at being a youth organizer was not the same skills I needed to do to train and develop other people to do all the things that I needed to do. And so that was the first sort of time that I was like, oh, this tra- this managing is different than doing. It's and the, and the skill sets are not one-to-one. And that was the first time I was thrown in. But, you know, from then on, that, you know, I've, I've been thrown in the deep end several times. And it wasn't until I was at the management center and one of our board members who actually had gone to, I believe it was, had a Harvard MBA. She said, you have all these managers on the team, none of whom have been trained, none of whom know how to like, you know, like develop other people. And it's just all sort of organic. And we had been relatively successful at doing it that way. But she said, let's let's run six months a curriculum, giving you guys some books, some learning, some here's how you run a check-in, here's how you... And it, it sent me down this rabbit hole of like, oh, management is a thing. And, and, and at the management center, I think, you know, the folks who got there before me stumbled onto a similar ob- observation. Hey, I'm good at a thing. And then now all of a sudden I look around and I'm in charge. I'm supposed to be helping, I'm supposed to be getting this work now done with and through other people. And I haven't been set up to do that. And so the management center was designed to simply do that. That was our sort of, big founding premise was to just give organizations the basic level of like skills to be an effective manager that were distinct from being an organizer, a teacher, a policy advocate, you name it. And over the course of this, you know, this time, certainly over the last eight or nine years, we've started thinking deeply about equity in our own journey, going from being a white founded organization to then a multiracial organization to a majority people of color organization, our own sort of equity journey, we started learning about like, okay, well, we can't just center results because to get results, you have to be in deep discussion and dialogue with people about what those results look like. And so really it came through our own sort of initially some of our own practice and then looking out in the world, 
talking to our clients about what they were facing and dealing with. And this trend that we went through, many organizations are going through it all over the, all over the country. And so we started thinking about what do we know about it? And then bringing in practitioners who really understood this, like how do you lead rooted in who you are in a way that creates space for people to show up and be who they really are? And how we then, you know, I think the pandemic highlighted sustainability for all of us. And so we took the opportunity to really get nuanced about like, we've always said that effective management is great results over time, but that was a shorthand for sustainability. (laughs) And so, or a longhand, I suppose, for sustainability. And really thinking about, well, how do you map that out over time? And how do you not just try to burn it all down, give everything you got in the first quarter of the game or the first two weeks of the season for a metaphor, right? But how do you build over time so that you're sustainable and you, you, you're able to contribute, you know, quarter after quarter, year after year? I like you know hearing a bit your journey there, and, and again, as I read more about what you offer, you offer coaching services for EDs, executive directors, and their senior leadership teams, as well as other management training courses and resources. So I'm curious, you know, as you've done this now for a few years, what have you found to be your quote secret sauce when it comes to your oh. coaching and training aspect of what you do specifically? Yeah. So there's always three things with me. I don't know what it is, but 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 I would say the first is our people. That, that, that our folks have been there and they've done it. We've been in our clients' shoes. So the folks we have working with school administrators have been school administrators. The folks who we have working with executive directors and CEOs have been in those roles, right? The folks who we have helping to build senior teams have been on senior teams. And so they're not talking to you about like a hypothetical. They're talking to you about, here's what I learned from doing it. Here's how I approached it. And so our clients feel that instantly, like, okay, you're not talking to me pie in the sky. You've been in my shoes. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm grappling with. Second is we listen deeply to what our clients are struggling with. We're on their side. We're in there with them. We're not sort of, I'm an expert. I got it. We understand that. We understand the principles. We understand how these things function in the broad sense. We need to understand intimately and deeply how it functions in their context. What is their cultural context? What is, what is the history of the organization? What's the expectations around their role? You know, we need to understand all that stuff. And then, and then lastly, we actually have a framework around management that is, uh, I can't give it all away because you got to buy the book <laughs> right, exactly, or sure. you got to come to a training <laughs> or you got to get a coach. But, but I can tell you it like this. It is not a one size fits all. The, the, the way that I describe our, our, our approach to training and, and, and coaching is that we give folks a set of jazz standards. And if you know anything about, about music, jazz standards are, it's, it's, this is how the song is played. These are the notes. These are the rhythm. This is some of, this is a traditional rhythm, but you play it for the room and you play it for the band. So if you got a three-piece band, that song is going to sound radically different than if you have Duke Ellington's orchestra, right? And if you're, if you're playing it for a small, intimate dinner party, it's going to be soft. It's going to be a little laid back. It's going to swing a little, but it's going to be mellow. But if you're playing it for a dance hall on Sunday night in, or Saturday night in New Orleans, you're going to bring the house down. It's going. It's full tilt. And that's like how organizations are and that's how moments are. So we, we bring that, that set of jazz standards to an organization and they get to pick. 
This is these are the these are are the these are the songs that we need. And so I'll share with your with your listeners and your viewers some of those things. One of those things is making the implicit explicit. We find managers often hide the ball. They they don't mean to. They just shorthand it. They're, it's somebody new. Give me a a, a draft, a, a second draft in a week. Okay. Well, what's the draft? What's in a draft? Should that be no mistakes? Should that be bullet point idea? Should that be full paragraph? I, what's a draft? Right? What's a first draft? I don't know what a first draft is, but you secondhand it, right? And then you might get a thing that that wasn't actually what you were expecting. You were expecting full. They can do a document full of bullet points. You wanted paragraphs and like you know fully flushed out ideas without opening and closing. Second is people don't give real clear feedback. And so they like, well, oh, I, I wasn't clear enough. Let me share with you what a draft is. So we teach people how to give really clear, actionable feedback across lines of difference. People are also not very clear about owning their power as a manager. Like, oh, you know, we're, we're in it together. We're making, yes, you're in it together, but you actually have a role to play. And your role is distinct from your staff person's role. And you have to own that power with them and within the organization. Um, and so these are the kind of things we teach people again, and you play that for the organization. Like you're not just, it's not one size fits all because everybody, every organization is going to be different. Every role is going to be different. Right. I like that. No, good. I like the analogy of jazz and, and how you're breaking that out. Okay. So one of the things you do talk quite a bit about is the top down command just doesn't work. It's not effective. In fact, it's counter and counter effective really. So why is a management style focused on a top down command actually ineffective when it comes to the well being of employees and makes them less efficient as well as less happy and likely to leave the organization? Talk a bit more about that because I, I do see a shift happening in the last probably 15 to 20 years, but I feel like it even more so now that top down command is just not a leadership style that people want anymore. Yeah. So social change, like so much in our society, social impact is about innovation. It is about like, it's about innovation and improv- improvisation. You know, the world is changing co- constantly. And if you're doing this command and control or even go for delegation, get, you know, we're doing an event, get 15 chairs, get coffee for 20 people, do but 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 You're not at, like, well, one, most people who are committed to a social change mission, over time, they're tired and they're bored of that. That is like uninspiring, uninteresting. Okay, that's going to work for like the first week for a volunteer and that volunteer isn't coming back. So one, two, the things that we're trying to solve for are so complex. We need all of our best thinking. And all of us is smarter than any one of us. So this thing of a conspire and align, which is the way we talk about management and our approach to management, really centers getting clear on where we're going and then what people's role is in it. And so we've 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 pursued this approach at TMC. And you know, the people I work with, they innovate solutions to problems and opportunities that I never would have thought of because they understand where we're going so well. They understand their role and how it relates to other people so well. And they come back with such brilliant things that advance the work in ways where, you know, we're, we're co-conspirators in it, but I, it's not just, you know, smart as I am and as cute as I think I am, I'm not smart enough or cute enough to make it all happen. We need a team. If it was, if it was easy, I would do it all by myself, right? And so we, we, we come together to make it happen and it's getting that clear. The other stuff that, that, that what happens with this command and control is 
in a moment where folks are looking for their work and their as and their work life to have meaning this thing of just do as i say feels out of alignment with the values like right like now there has to be some clarity about like this isn't a free for all i'm right this is not just like hey i know we work at a food bank but next week we're going to become a record label no that's not what i'm saying I, 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 I'm saying, though, that the way we pursue our mission, everyone has a hand in that. And that we, we get so clear about what our mission is and what people's roles are in it, that they also get clear about where they can deliver and where they can't. I've literally worked with people in organizations that have this kind of focus where they come, where there's staff people who come and say, you know what? I really want to be here and I really want to contribute. But for the good of the team, I'm clear I can't do what needs to be done in this role. It's actually like, I can see it now. I can see what needs to happen. And I don't, I, is there something else I can do to be helpful? Or I'm going to be go, become a donor or I'm going to, I'm, I'm looking for another thing to do because yeah, this, the way that we are pursuing your mission, I understand. And I want to be a contributor and I see that I'm, I'm actually not helping in the way that I want to help. Right. And when you give people feedback about like, here's what we're looking for. Here's what we need. Here's they can actually see that it's not like, oh, you think I am just trash, but we're talking about my performance based on what we're trying to get to, right? Which is, that's what we're up to. I really like that. And, you know, maybe as a follow-up to that, how can managers transition then to an approach that involves immersing the team in the organizational process, aligning goals, interests, and enthusiasm with that of management? What have you found really works well? Yeah. So we have to, we, I, I, I always begin at the beginning. So we go back to, so mission, vision, values. Sometimes people are like, well, that's so simple. It is. And, and, and sometimes those fundamentals work. And so going back to what is the mission of the organization? How are we pursuing it? What is our, what is our long-term vision? Where are we trying to go? What piece of the mission have we chunked out for this next year or three? How are we pursuing it? Getting really clear at what success looks like. You know, a lot of your, your listeners and viewers will be familiar with the notion of big, hairy, audacious goals, BHAGs, right? So let's get those up. Let's get those up on either the, the whiteboard or the, or, or, or whatever the online tool you're using. Let's get those out there in front of us. Let's talk about them. Let's talk about how our mission, how our values and our, for us, we call them community agreements, our code of conduct among us, how we treat each other, how we interact how they align towards driving us to, to do these. And then let's look at our goals. Let's look at our roles and how our roles are designed to advance these set of goals. And let's do, let's get aligned on that deeply once a year where we, here's what we're up to. And then we do quarterly step backs, right? Where we're at, we're, every quarter, how are we doing against what we said we were going to do? And then weekly, we're pursuing it in our check-ins with our staff. You know, building it up, breaking it down in that way it, it starts, it's, you start to move towards. Now, the, the, the challenge becomes where when managers haven't done that work on the front end of building alignment, everybody's here working towards a different vision. Everybody here is working towards a different mission. They think they know where we're going and they're, they're pulling on it and everybody's pulling up and it's pulling it apart as opposed to pulling it together and pulling in the same direction or where there's just disagreements. Like, oh, I, I really thought that we were an organization that did X and people just paper over those disagreements, right? And then when managers also have made mistakes in the past, 
and then swept them under the rug as opposed to like brought them forward for discussion, reflection, being honest. Hey, I thought if we did X, Y would result. It didn't. Here's what happened. Here's why. That, that level of integrity it builds alignment where people are like, oh, I can trust you. You're not going to say one thing and do another. If something goes awry, you're going to like name it. You're going to sunshine it. It's not, you know, accountability isn't just like crap that flows downhill. <laughs> it flows uphill too. <laughs> right. Everybody yeah, has totally. accountability or responsibility. It's hugely important. We found that those things are, 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 can be transformative in organizations. We'll be right back. Are you looking for an easy and effective way to boost your nonprofit's donations? Look no further than DonorBox, the online fundraising platform that streamlines your fundraising efforts, maximizes donations, and simplifies giving for your supporters. With DonorBox, you can create beautiful donation forms, accept digital wallet payments, track donations, and send auto receipts. And the best part? There are no setup or monthly fees and no long-term contracts required. So what are you waiting for? Visit DonorBox.org today to get started. That is www.DonorBox.org. Do you want a clear step-by-step system to write grants so that your nonprofit secures funding in a stress-free manner? Well, check out the free grant writing class, How to Write Winning Grants in 7 Proven Steps. You will walk away with seven nuggets of grant writing clarity and a free action workbook so you can start writing higher quality grants today. Just watch this free class now at grantwritingandfunding.com slash Rob. Again, that's grantwritingandfunding.com slash Rob. Hey friends, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If this is your first time listening to us, I wanted to make sure you're aware of a whole group of other episodes with fascinating guests that I previously interviewed. Just go to our website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. There you'll find numerous interviews of nonprofit leaders from all over the country, including some from other countries, all trying to make their world better. So when you go to our website, you can also subscribe to my monthly leadership update in order to get more content, ask me questions, and discover additional information. Just look for the subscribe button on the right-hand side of the webpage. Thanks again for listening. Now back to the show. No, I like that. And you know, use this term in your management style, conspire and align. Talk more about this. How could this really help nonprofit leaders distinguish themselves and particularly in a tough competition for talent? Yeah. So for, for, for me, and I think for a, a lot of people in this moment, there is a profound, there's so much fakeness. <laughs> there's so much disingenuous, there's so much hypocrisy that what folks are looking for is integrity. And, and so getting really clear about where you're trying to go, that picture, that inspires people. And I think many leaders, that is a strong suit of many leaders, is here's where we're trying to go. Here's the hill we're trying to climb. Here's the mission. Here's the mission. They're great at that. Doing that similar thing about your organization and your organizational culture, that's aspirational. And then having a real plan to walk it down and get there. And then being really, we call it love and rigor, bring a level of rigor to where you actually are on that journey. And so if you're on a journey to make your organization more equitable and inclusive, you have to be articulate about where you're not yet, where you haven't been and what, it, and where, what it's been and how you're working to close that gap and what it's really going to take. Because what we find happens is that folks come into an organization who sells the dream really well 
has a really clear vision about where it is they're trying to go. They haven't necessarily been very honest or rigorous about the gap or honest and rigorous about what it's going to take to close it. And so then folks run out of patience pretty quickly. And they say, well, you you talk a good game, but you're actually not about it. And, and now I got to go find something else to do. And so that's where we see a churn. We see people come in and leave right away because, and oftentimes that happens along lines of identity is, you know, organizations will go on a hiring tear and they'll, they're diversifying. So they'll hire a bunch of people of color or they'll hire a fun, bunch of folks who are first generation college graduates or they'll hire, you, 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 you name it across the lines of difference. They're hiring for diversity and they bring in folks who, who, who don't look like the staff that's been there. And then those folks bounce out six months, a year, less than two. They're gone. And there's a culture problem where they haven't figured out how to really be inclusive, how to really listen to what folks feel like, what folks need to be in the organization and be successful and how they set folks up for success. That piece of conspiring online, like getting clear and getting clear that, you know, if you're trying to, again, hire folks of color, it's not up to them to make to fix the culture. If you're trying to hire young folks or folks who come from an immigrant background, it's not up to them to fix the culture. It is up to the leadership and the folks who have higher fire and budget authority to fix the culture. And, and what we have found for TMC and our clients, when we put those folks on the hook for transforming the culture, retaining staff, having staff begin to identify the organization as a, a place that feels inclusive and that they belong, they fix it. <laughs> they fix it. Because they, 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 most people are, you know, they want to do well. Um, they're trying to be good. They're, they're relatively well-skilled. It's just, it's competing with a thousand other priorities. And this one isn't on their actually thing they're being evaluated against. So therefore, why, how would I, if I'm being evaluated against program performance, fundraising, whatever, ROI, whatever you call it, well, that's what I'm putting time and attention towards. Oh, I'm being evaluated against how do I retain, retain women, women of color who we hire? How do I retain high-performing folks from immigrant backgrounds? Oh, well, then now I'm putting time and attention there. I like it. No, well said. I really like how you combine those. And here's one other piece I found very interesting about you specifically. You have a unique approach in how you do your work, particularly when it comes to justice. In that, you approach justice through a spiritual lens. In fact, you've been quoted this way. In the work towards freedom, I see management as a sacred calling. It's one of the highest honors in our movements to shepherd the energies and talents of others to advance the cause of justice. Maybe you could talk about that, but I'm just curious how you do that, how you integrate that in your everyday work. Yeah. So, you know, like, like many of the folks in your audience, I have my own spiritual practice, come from a spiritually rooted background. And years ago, I had the observation that the work I was doing around advocacy, organizing policy and politics were here. And then my spiritual was over here. That my, my theology was, I, I used to say that my politics were amazing and my theology was piss poor. And, and so I started, <laughs> I started to pursue <laughs> trying to understand, in particular for me, sort of black social justice theology. And the folks, you know, it, it's not an accident 
that it was the Reverend Martin Luther, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. People often forget the Reverend, but it comes before the doctor. That Harriet Tubman was called Mother Moses. Those things are not accidental. That, that there is a theology of liberatory, and, and I wanted to try to understand that. And when I understood about that, or I got to understand it that through my studies and through mentors, was it isn't just an idea; it's an embodiment in a way that you approach to work. And so, what I understand about the folks who I work with, who I manage, who I coach, who I hire, who I bring onto the team is they are quite literally giving us two of the two of the few things they can't get back, which is literally their life force and their time. Like those things don't, they just roll out one way as far as I can tell. If you have a time machine or any of your, your audience does, hit me up. I want to talk. <laughs> Good, yeah, I, okay. I, I'm we'll not getting money. I'm not going back, but but I might go forward. We'll see. But so see see so so that then holding that with that awareness, like if this person who I've hired to do this thing or inherited to do this thing on my team, how do I honor that life force, their time, their energy? How do I be thoughtful and structure my time and my interactions with them that honors this this being? Which sometimes means being like profoundly honest about like, hey, actually, I think I'm worried that you're not the person for this role. And I don't want to keep having you do this thing where you don't get to feel successful because the gap between what we actually need and where you're able to perform at this time, I'm not sure. Like, let's talk about how we're going to close that. Because if we can't close that, I want to bless and release you to do something else with your time. Something where you really feel fed and seen and valued because here... I'm going to keep giving you this corrective feedback. Over time, it's, you're going to feel frustrated. It's not going to feel good. And I respect you enough and value your time and energy enough that I'm not just going to, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be nice and nice about it and just let you hang out here. No, we, we're pursuing a mission, right? And, and, and also that I'm going to be in conversation with people about, about it. Like what, you know, there are small tweaks that we can, do. again, I shared, if we're running this food bank, Next week, we're not going to be a record store. And there are ways that we can pursue our mission that are more life-giving for the people on the team. Through, and through discussion and dialogue, we learn that. And, 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 you know, I used to be a little bit put off by this, 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 this quote from the Reverend Dr. Howard Thurman. He was the, the, the black man who went to India, India and met Gandhi, Mahatma K. Gandhi, and then came back and introduced the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King to nonviolent direct action. That's who that was, right? Reverend Howard Thurman said, ask not what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive for what the world needs are more people who've come alive. And so I, I used to be put off by that as somebody who was like really about the, the freedom. I, I, I am like, can we be strategic? I need people, I need some strategy. I, I need some discipline here. And I realized that a thing that deadens you is going to be hard to be joyful about. It's going to be hard to be passionate about it. It's going to be hard to give appropriately of it. It's going to, at the end of the day, feel as though it's robbing you, right? And so we all have to, you know, we live in a society where we have to pay rent or service and mortgage debt or, you know, want to eat hot food, wear clothes and live indoors. So we need a job. Got it. No harm, no foul. Some jobs are just jobs. And 
being a leader and the further you go in the, sec- in the sector, the more this has to be about of your calling. I think that's so good. Well, thank you so much. I agree with you very much. And I think you said it well, when it comes to the nonprofit sector, and a lot of us who are in leadership of these organizations where people really are looking for purpose in their life and they're finding it through serving at the organization, then it does kind of go to another level of more of a calling than just simply a job. So I really like how you laid that out. And again, great work, all that you're doing. It's very interesting stuff. So for my listeners, for people who want to get to know a little bit more about you and TMC, the Management Center, where would you send them? Yeah. So the first place is our our website, always managementcenter.org. If you go there, you can get all of our tools. You can find a link to the book. You can sign up for training. You can sign up for coaching. You know, We have about half a million people a year who go to that website and download unique tools, everything from how to do goals. Uh, we have a question bank for when you're hiring. How do you not just hire, you know, you know, if you had bad you know, uh, outcomes hiring, how do you shift that? What are the practices? What are the tools? We have that there. And then LinkedIn, is the other place management center at LinkedIn on LinkedIn. You can also follow me there, jakata.imani, you know, on LinkedIn. And we're always sharing tools, tips, engaging with folks there on management and best practices and challenges that folks are facing. Well, Jakata, again, thanks for being on the show and sharing your great insights. Lots of good ideas here. Appreciate you taking time to share with our group today. I am so happy to have been able to be on the on with you on the program and get to talk with your viewers and learn some about what you're up to. Hey friends, well, I wanted you to know that this podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to other podcasts. I also want to encourage you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. This will actually help us get this great content out to more nonprofit leaders just like you. You can also join the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast community, find other resources and interviews of past guests all on my website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Well, thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep making your world better. This podcast is sponsored by DonorBox. DonorBox, helping you help others with the best donation forms in the business.